I want to take a couple of minutes to share with you from the Word this morning, okay? Uh, to really give you a glimpse of what this ministry is about. Priscilla, you want to take the kids now? You want to do that? Are there any kids to be dismissed? Do we have any here? Over here? Okay, yeah. I, I, I want you to open your Bibles to uh, I, what I know is a familiar passage for all of you, and that's 2 Timothy chapter 3. Second, open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And... Uh, I want to share this passage with you because this is what is at the heart of um, our ministry there in Cameroon. This is what it's all about, okay? Um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, this is really the foundation for our ministry there. It's foundation for expository preaching. Um, And again, I know you're familiar with this, but um, I just want to... I just want to go through this passage with you today. Uh, the context here, remember where Paul is when he's writing Second Timothy? He's in prison in Rome, and he knows that his death is imminent. He says, the time of my departure is at hand. He knows he's going to die soon. And the, these words to Timothy here in what we call Second Timothy are his last words, his last written words. And so that gives a sense of importance and urgency to the words that he says to Timothy. Okay, so he he begins here in verse 16 to talk about the Word of God. And he talks specifically here in verse 16 about the origin of the Word. All Scripture is inspired by God. Now, we know that backwards and forwards. That's nothing new to us. But... Just to reiterate, when he's talking about Scripture, he's talking about the writings, okay? It's used like 51 times in the New Testament, and every time it refers to the Old Testament writings. So he's talking about the writings themselves. But we have reason to believe, though, that the New Testament writings are also now being included in that because... Uh, when Paul, you know, being very conscious of his words uh, as an apostle, you know, he says his words are directed by the Spirit. And, and then in another place he says, he, he gives instructions to read from the Scriptures and read my letters as well in your churches. So he elevates his letters to the same level of the Old Testament Scriptures. And then Peter even says, you know, they distort Paul's letters as they do the rest of Scripture. And so uh, I, I think we can say uh, confidently that the New Testament writings are included in this designation of all Scripture. But the important thing is here, he says that they're inspired by God. Some translations may even spell this out more accurately. They are God-breathed. All Scripture is breathed out. They are God-breathed. In other words, what does this mean? It means that Scripture... The, 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 the finished product, the written word, that's what it refers to, the graphe, the writings, the finished product is, has been spoken by God. It comes from the mouth of God. It's God-breathed. It originated in the mind of God, and it's as if He has spoken it out. Now, it didn't happen that directly, but the finished product is 
Paul says, God breathed. God spoke it, the finished product. And because the word is God breathed, Paul then tells us what the word of God can do. And we see the sufficiency of the word of God and is profitable. All scripture is God breathed, and we could insert the word, and is therefore profitable of great value for teaching. The first thing, it provides us truth. Scripture gives us truth that God has determined we need to know. Scripture has come from the mind of God. God has communicated to us in His Word what He has determined we need to know for the sake of our relationship with Him, for the sake of our how to live in this world for Him, how to prepare ourselves for eternity. It it is of great value for teaching. It is of great value for reproof. And this means that Scripture refutes error. It is the standard by which we measure all ideas, all philosophies, all opinions, all values. And Scripture has the ability to say, that is wrong. It is profitable. It is of great value for reproof. It corrects errors. It is of great value for correction. That, that, this means it, it looks at the, the, let's say, the errors, the sin in our lives, and it corrects our lives, our thoughts, our words, our behavior. It corrects us. And then the positive side of that is training in righteousness. It trains us, teaches us how to live righteously in a way that is pleasing to God. And then, verse 17, that the man of God, speaking to Timothy here specifically, but by way of application, that the child of God may be adequate, that we might be brought to a place of completion, adequate for the tasks of life. And then he adds, Equipped for every good work. Scripture is what gives us the ability to be equipped for the work that God desires us to do. This is the power of the Word of God. I like to say that the Word of God has the power to do soul work. That it it, it can penetrate to our soul. Hebrews 4, you know, it's piercing to the, the dividing of soul and spirit and joint and marrow. It can pierce to the innermost depth of our being, and that's where true transformation takes place. And this is true largely in America. It's true in Africa. But the preaching in Africa is entertainment showmanship, and emotionalism. You can add a few other things to America, pop psychology and self-help, but, you know, that's the kind of preaching that is so common. But that doesn't have the power to transform people. It's entertaining. It's, it's probably, in a sense, motivational. You know, it can motivate you in certain ways, but motivational speakers on any subject 
are a dime a dozen. You can have motivational speakers on how to be a good salesman, how to, uh, how to succeed in life, or how to have a better marriage, and all of these kinds of things. And you might be motivated, but that's not necessarily the same as trans- transformative. Scripture has the power to transform lives, and it begins in our soul. It does that soul work. And this is why it's so important to preach and teach the Word of God properly and accurately. And so Paul then, having explained the origin of the Word and what it's able to do, he then goes on and urgently and climactically encourages Timothy in how he is to use the Word of God. Chapter 4, verse 1. I solemnly charge you. Now remember the context here. Paul's last words to Timothy. He's not going to see him anymore. He knows that he's not going to be around. And so he says, Timothy, I solemnly charge you. And that's like putting somebody under an oath. It's almost like Paul is saying, Timothy, you've got to promise me that you'll do this. That this is what you'll do. And then he adds, before he even gets to the point, he adds several expressions to convey the seriousness of this exhortation so that Timothy will understand how serious this is. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, because God the Father and the Lord Jesus, they are a witness to all that you do, Timothy. They are a witness who is to judge the living and the dead and knowing that you will give an account of your life and ministry to the Lord Jesus. And by His appearing in kingdom, because you know the Lord will return, and there is that prospect of being rewarded and ruling with Him in His kingdom. Because of this, Timothy, I solemnly charge you, in verse 2, to preach the Word. Preach the Word. This is the God-ordained means of changing lives. Because of, the what, because of what the Word of God can do and the power in the, the Word. Preach the Word. And this is something that I expand upon extensively throughout the seminars, is that it must be preached according to the intent and meaning of the Word as God has given it. It must be preached according to the intent of the author. Because if we use the word in any other way than what the author intended it, it's not the word of God. Why? Where did the author get their message? It came from God. God spoke it. God somehow sovereignly, providentially impressed upon them the words that He wanted said, but it came ultimately from God. And, and, and what they wrote is the message that God had impressed upon them that they put into words. And what they wrote was exactly what God wanted written. And it is only that message, according to what the author meant by His words, that is the Word of God. And that's what that one fellow was trying to say uh, in the conference with. Um, only the text, in its context, 
is the Word of God. Stay with the text. Only the text in its context is the Word of God. And so that means when you've got this preaching where people are taking verses out of context, it's highly entertaining. You, it might be in some way motivational, but it's not transformative because they're not using the Word according to what the authors meant by the Word. And then Paul exhorts Timothy further. He says, be ready in season and out of season. You, you heard that one guy make that comment on that. And, the, and, you know, we often think this be ready means to be ready to preach at any occasion. You know, carry some sermon outlines in the back of your Bible. You know, which, which I do, by the way. <laughs> and, and it's not a bad idea, but that's not what he means here. What he means is to be at your post. Stay at your post of preaching the Word. Be faithful in season. When it's a good time and they want to hear it. Out of season when they don't want to hear it. And he'll talk about that in verse 3. And then he says, reprove and rebuke and exhort. Allow the Word of God to have its life-changing and transformative impact. Correct sinful thinking, rebuke sinful ways. Exhort to follow the Word of God with great patience and instruction. This is why the Word of God needs to be taught week in, week out, year after year. Great patience, great instruction. And then Paul tells Timothy why more than ever the Word of God is needed and he needs to be faithful to stay at his post. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. The time has, the idea here is the time has come and it's going to increase. When people will not want Sound doctrine. They will not want the teaching of the Word. They will want entertainment. They will want emotionalism. They'll want psychology and self-help and all of these other things. They'll want showmanship. Wanting to have their ears tickled. Wanting something that makes them feel good about themselves. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. There's no shortage of those who will tell people what they want to hear. And will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Well, myths in Timothy's day, myths today, again, emotionalism, showmanship, entertainment. They're going to turn aside to that. But I love verse 5. And, I, and by the way, I start every conference with this passage. Uh, after, I, I, I should say, I begin the conference with a devotional message, but then when we start the conference material, every conference starts with this passage. And I love verse 5. He says, but you, but you, Timothy, you be different. doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. But you, Timothy, you be different. And I look right at him and I say, you pastors in Cameroon, you be different. doesn't matter what everyone else may do. You be different. In Westside Chapel, you be different. Be sober in all things. That means be steady and be faithful. Endure hardship. Persevere in the hardships of faithfully ministering the Word of God. Do the work of an evangelist. Never lose sight of the gospel Faith alone in Christ alone and fulfill your ministry. So the Word of God is God-breathed. It's God-breathed. 
And because it is, it has the power to change lives. And because it does, the Word of God is to be preached according to the context, according to the intent of the author. And this is why we need the Word of God. And this is why we go to Cameroon to explain to them the importance of the Word of God, to show them how to study the Word and how to teach the Word according to the way the authors intended it. Verse by verse, passage by passage, chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through the end of the book. That's how it was given to us. Instead of just jumping around from place to place constantly. And this is the ministry of the West Side Chapel. Not just me. Trust me, I would not be there if it were not for you. I would not be there if it were not for you. This isn't about me. It's our ministry in Cameroon. Reaching hundreds, thousands by now. And many, many more to reach. They are open. They are hungry. They just need someone to teach them how to use the Word of God properly to preach it. May God bless us as we continue to be a blessing to them. May God bless this church so that this ministry in Cameroon can continue and prosper and reach even more pastors there. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word that you've given to us that it does indeed have the power to transform lives. The privilege that we have, Lord, of working in this portion of your vineyard. We thank you for the conferences of this year. We pray for every pastor, every deacon, every leader, every spouse, every teacher every person that was in attendance at these conferences, Lord, that you will bless them and continue your work in their lives. May the Spirit of God continue to give them understanding of what they have received and so they might be able to use it to more effectively teach your word, whether they're preaching their word, whether they're doing a ladies' Bible study or a Sunday school class. We pray, Father, that you would use these conferences to equip them to more accurately teach your word, that your word can accomplish your purpose in the lives of the people there. So thank you for this opportunity. Lord, we pray going forward that we'll be mindful of these people, support them in our prayers, contribute generously that this ministry might continue, Lord, we pray. And we pray for peace in Cameroon as well, to bring peace to those regions that are in turmoil, destruction, and death. Bring peace, Lord, so that the gospel might once again have a home and be able to prosper in those regions. We pray for our brother Pat as he now prepares to go back there and bless his ministry also, Lord, as he serves 
along with Dr. Oban and many others in doing your will, doing your work, such a good work in the name of Jesus. Bless him as he prepares and then his ministry there as well. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful opportunity of serving you in this way. In Jesus' name, amen.